Hello, welcome to another episode of Real You, Real Money. Before I get into it today, I just wanted to alert you to something incredibly exciting. The Doors for Plenty will be opening again very soon. And I have got an offer for those of you that join the waitlist. But you need to be on that waitlist. So if you've wanted to work with me, Plenty is my beloved money course. I adore it. Everyone who does it adores it. And I would love for you to be part of it if you've been wanting to work with me. Like I said, I'm going to be offering something really special to those people who join the waitlist. So if you're not on it, and if or if you're not sure if you're on it, jump on it via the show notes and you will be hearing more about Plenty very, very soon. Now enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to Real You Real Money. My guest today, I'm so excited to share this interview with you because I think it's going to be awesome. No pressure, Mars, no pressure. No pressure. So this is one of those things, and I've just checked with Mars before we started fully recording, where I suspected that I would have known of Mars for ages, but she doesn't know who I am. And that's fine. <laughs> I, as many of you will know, I talk about this quite a bit. My business before I was a coach, and certainly before I was a money coach, I was a hypnobirthing teacher. And Mars was a doula, and Mars was like you were relatively well known. Like your name came up a lot in that space, and you. Were I was completely well known. You were completely yeah, exactly. You're complete. She was like <laughs> you know top of her game. So, and it was so interesting to me as I've been doing this for six or seven years now, and I don't know exactly when you started coaching, but it's in the last couple of years yeah in the last couple of years I started coaching yeah so Mars is kind of is still doing some of the doula stuff but is also coaching now as well and so I really wanted to talk to Mars I've just been saying this before we even started but because she is one of the most glorious examples of being herself in all the spaces that she's in and so I Mm -hmm. wanted to talk up bring her on the podcast to talk about that because obviously the whole podcast is called Real You Real Money and that's a huge part of what I talk about and also because you've recently Mars done this pivot and I always think that when we bring in new aspects to our work when we change our messaging all of those things it's Mm -hmm. so interesting yeah how that journey goes so I was very excited to get you on and thank you so much for saying yes so first question always probably on any podcast is can you tell us a bit about how you got to where you are now obviously you've gone like and that might, <laughs> in, <laughs> might be huge. immediately in my mind comes the goonies film where the, where <laughs> the boy is being <laughs> tortured and they t- say to him tell me everything and he starts <laughs> pretty much from his conception and what <laughs> but I won't do that because I don't think that's what you're asking for. It is interesting. (laughs) It did did come to mind. I have been a doula, a birth keeper for, oh my goodness, where are we? For about 17, 18 years. And a doula, for those that don't know, is in short, a professional birth companion, support people through pregnancy, labour and birth and afterwards. And so I became a doula. And whilst being a doula, I specialised in working with parents expecting twins. Mm. And then I started to really focus in on reproductive justice or birth justice for black and brown bodied people. Mm -hmm. And I was, for a long time, I was the black doula in a doula organisation that I had belonged to. And whenever someone black or brown bodied came by, they would point to me. And so eventually this, you know, there was a lot of unsafety in that organization, but eventually I wrote my own doula training course Mm -hmm. 
and abuela doulas, abuela being Spanish for grandmother, because I believe in bringing the wisdom of the grandmothers into modern yeah. birth. And continued with my birth justice and reproductive justice mm -hmm. and activism work. And then a few years ago, I was thinking, okay, I'm coming up to menopause now. Mm. And I actually don't want to be menopausing through births. You know, <laughs> there's someone sort of saying, I really need you to help me, Mars. And I'm like, just open a fucking window. <laughs> I just suddenly thought this probably wasn't going to be what I wanted to do. And also I've been doing it for a very long time and I was enjoying the training. So I decided that what I do is concentrate on training and educating doulas. Mm. And in amongst that, I do cultural competency workshops and anti-racism, you know, sessions with people and consult for different people to help them, well, help them, the ones that say they want to change things. Some really do. Mm -hmm. Some just want to be able to say that, oh, yes, I, I have somebody yeah. talk to me about that. Yeah. Strangely, not strangely, because I'm a black-bodied woman, there are a lot of white-bodied organisations that don't actually want to pay you for the work but they do want to be able to just say that they've spoken to you. And so, but they all get a bit of a rude shock. See, I'm just going to meander everywhere, right? So no, you no, no, no. I want us to pick on this bit, actually. I'd love us to talk about this. Why do people do that? Like, what does your, like, why do you think people do that where they are aware of enough uh -huh. to know that they need some uh -huh. help in that area? They need some education. They... And then they suggest not paying because that is the societal norm right if you're socialized as a woman you should really be serving yes right? absolutely but if you're a black-bodied woman of course you should serve mm. always make sure that your white-bodied female counterpart mm. properly served otherwise she will cry mm. and she yes. will be upset and she will be defensive and mm. someone right now is going oh my god I can't believe that you would say this of all white women yeah so at this moment I ask you to pause take a breath and recognize this defensiveness that has come up and get curious with why this defensiveness has come up yeah so look at that quick mini coach right there right there in the middle and there's an expectation mm. that black women mm. black-bodied women will educate everybody else yeah. and we should all do it for free because we're the ones that want this equal society and therefore we should do the work to get it and I say to people all the time the oppressed can't break down the systems of the oppressor the oppressor has Absolutely. to do that yeah. but you have to help me Miles what books can I read what podcast should I do tell me what I should do speak to me oh and by the way despite the fact that this is taking physical emotional toll on you and your body I'm not actually going to give you any money because you should want to do this for me now they don't say those things out loud but that's what goes on yeah. and um I'm a uh, I joined this Facebook group years a few years back and I love it called fuck you pay me and, it, <laughs> and it's it's you know for people socialized as women mm. because we know that women get paid less yeah but if we look at the the sort of social hierarchy is mm. white men, white women, black men, yeah. black women. No, it's not, Mars, that's not true because I know that. And I'm like, yeah, well, fuck you, pay me because you're always telling me why you can't afford to pay me. And then, and then the piece de resistance is when they say, do you know somebody else black that could do this for me? I'm like, you don't want to pay me and you want me to throw a black queen under 
the bus of your lack of respect, acknowledgement and payment. So, oh, I have to tell you this before it leaves my mind, because this still is the funniest thing that ever, ever happened to me. Well, probably not the funniest, but it's funny to me. This young, this midwife from Liverpool emailed me just before the pandemic to ask me to speak at a midwifery conference that she was organising about inclusion and cultural safety, mm -hmm. etc. And I said, yep, yeah, that's fine. Here's my fee and let me know when you want it. So she immediately emailed back and said, <laughs> hold your horses here, she said, your fee is rambunctious. Rambunctious. <laughs> Love that word. Wow, I mean, Love that word. I'm annoyed that she used such a good word because it's so <laughs> I know, but it, it made me scream with laughter. Wow. Um, and, and anyway, so then she vanished. Pandemic hits. And a few months later, she emailed me and she said, I'm just reaching out because you were interested in speaking at our conference. I went, well, firstly, no, you <laughs> wanted me to do it, but let's see where you go with this. And she said, and I wondered now that it's all online, if you'd be happy to do it. So I sent back a very simple email because I'm Mars like the planet, God of war, God of thunder, not Mars like the chocolate. And I simply <laughs> replied, Oh, I don't think you meant to send this to me. I'm the rambunctious one. Nice. nice. <laughs> but so th this is the kind of thing that happens. I had someone who ran a huge organisation and she said she asked me if I would go through and help her be more inclusive because she was mm. constantly getting in trouble. And actually, she continued to for years afterwards. Mm. And because I was feeling really generous and nice I said sure I'll just do it for you know for a thousand pounds and then she went into one about how she can't you know afford that and and then she said well do you have some and she was one of the ones that said do you have someone else that can do it for me but I think people what people forget is when we do this work quite apart from the emotional and physical emotional toll it takes on our bodies and ourselves mm. their work improves yes yes we see all the yeah. time in the in the yeah. world of theater because i love the theater we've seen that where they have become inclusive mm -hmm. their revenues have increased yeah. of course we had the pandemic and they've all gone back to old male pale and stale mm. and preferably dead <laughs> for their plays etc but they might put a black face in it so that mm. you know oh yeah just the one though just the one but rather than experimenting going look everyone's hungry for theater let's bring in yeah all the diversity that we claimed we've been unable to yeah. and they double down and they say no you don't understand Mars because I've spoken to people about this you don't understand we need to be able to guarantee the money so the racism the anti-blackness continues to show they're black it won't bring in money yeah they're black we don't have to pay them money they're black they should serve and be grateful to serve they're black they should dismantle the systems of oppression yeah no pressure yeah and so see I can go everywhere with this, these conversations oh no and this is awesome because I think it's so important it's one of the reasons and we talk about this a lot in my work why it's like there's there's a whole narrative and we're seeing it again with our brand new female prime minister of we just need to get women in there if women are just making money if women are just in the front of politics then everything will be okay but there is no point if those people if those women have not dismantled their own internalized stuff 
Yeah. Like that, and that's from misogyny to racism to all sorts. Capitalism. It's about upholding the status quo, but making yourself the prime beneficiary of yeah. it. Yeah. You know, we black bodied people have a saying, all skin folk ain't kinfolk. Mm-hmm. You know, and we see it with her chancellor, mm-hmm. who was one of the one of the authors of that wonderful piece of groundbreaking reporting and researching that yeah. came out at the beginning of the pandemic saying that Britain oh. is racist and that we are a beacon to the rest of Europe. And I'd forgotten that was him. How did I forget that? Him and Paul both, oh, I forget the names of them all. Tony yeah. Steele, and they were all there. Remember Tony Steele? No, I think he was someone else. Anyway, and they did this report, but they found all the black and brown bodied people mm. that exist in white worlds yeah. and live in white minds within themselves mm. and their bodies yeah. claim that and everyone black just went oh well fuck oh, god i didn't know phew like <laughs> again I you know read that i'm fine actually it's fine it's yeah. fine and then white body people continue to treat us badly yeah. in all the different areas of life yeah but it's not racism you're just playing the race card yeah like, yeah yeah um, the fact that you think there's a card to be played shows speaks more about you. Yeah. But actually, I subverted that with some friends and we created a resource called Play the Race Card. For mm. Currently, we use it for people in the health, the birth system, where we ask people to stop, look, listen at the person in front of them. Stop, recognise their colour. Is what yeah. you're doing because of this? Yeah. Listen, are they saying something, but you've been taught that it's something else? Yeah. You know, but all of that crap goes on. But yeah. so I'm, I'm, oh, what's my, one of my favourite reels? Today's not the day and I am not the one. <laughs> that's, that's my attitude about a lot of things when it mm. comes to payment and when it comes to working with white-bodied people that yeah. want everything for free. And they want everything for free. And if you don't give it to them, they do cry and grumble and moan. Yes, absolutely. And it's that thing that white women have that. And and as you said, like, if people are feeling defensive, it's that check-in moment because it can be incredibly subconscious until you realize the power of what you're doing. Mm. It's, and it, it's something that white women use across the board. They use it with, with black-bodied people, as you said, but they also use it with men and they use it in all these different situations to kind yeah, of because that power. They've been set up to be delicate, fragile, yeah, and yeah. even even those. I'm none of those things, mm. but they've been taught from yeah. a very early age yeah. to yeah. weaponize their tears and their yeah. emotion. We see it across the media. We see yeah. it in film. I'm I'm currently watching the FBI series. FBI, 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 most wanted FBI International because I love them. And I found myself getting really angry and I went, no, I've just realised these programmes are so much like life because Mm. you would watch and the white woman would come up against something difficult and get to tears and broken emotionally and everyone would support her. The black woman would do the same. And was like, you got to suck it up. You know, you're going to have to take this thing on your disciplinary record because, and I'm like, why am I getting angry when all it's doing is playing out real life? This isn't yeah. an es- this isn't an escape. And as soon yes. as I did that, I was able to enjoy it again. <laughs> but I did. I have turned off from many things when white-bodied women and they write. And so if we see it all the time in media, in the mm. things we watch, in the things that we read, mm. in the conversations that we yeah. have, then of course we're going to believe it. 
Um, was it Fiona Brewster's question time now? And I don't watch it anymore. She had mm. Diane Abbott on mm. and was just so racist and completely shut her down and complained of being bullied. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Always. it just plays out in all walks. It plays yeah. out everywhere. And uh, I'm not here for that. No, absolutely. And I think it's, again, like I said, it's why it's so important for us to... A, it's also important to... Because that kind of white women getting doing the kind of crying thing or or just even it doesn't have to look like crying it can look like there's other versions of it like Thank you always <laughs> it was just no I don't cry I'm like you're crying right now <laughs> yes exactly there's it's there's like it's a it's an emotional dis and when I say display also that might make it sound like you're purposefully faking it it doesn't necessarily have to feel fake it can feel very real and I don't know no I'll say it can feel very real but equally it's why I think when it comes to looking at money stuff and business stuff and life coaching stuff, it's so important to mm. do what you said with that race card when you look and go, hang on a minute, is yeah. that client responding from a place where, oh, all women are like this though? Yeah. Or is it going to be an intersection coming into play? That was a real lesson for me early on in my business. I used to talk a lot about visibility and it took me a while to understand that my clients who were not white we're going to have a very different, very mm. real relationship. And actually, my clients who weren't in straight-sized bodies and all sorts mm. of other things, we're going to have a very different relationship with the risks of visibility. Mm. Absolutely. Than, you know, a, a, an attractive, like a, an officially attractive presenting white woman. Oh, yes. White-centric beauty standards. Exactly. Who's got more of an internalised body dysmorphia almost about being visible, mm. whereas there's real risk to these things for people who don't fit into that space and that took me time to understand and since I understood that I could see it in I talk about kindness at all costs a lot in my work which mm. is like so when the Ukraine war happened for example or lockdown happened or the cost of living you see a lot of people stop selling and stop drop start dropping their prices because they don't want to appear unkind yeah and there's definitely a difference I think in how that shows up depending on the culture and the color of skin you were born into and there's a lot of toxic kindness out there very much (laughs) kindness is used to tone police and shut and silence and erase and i mean i should say to people all the time yeah miss me with your kindness you want me to be kind to someone who's being racially abusive Mm. neglecting that in your own mind what kindness means is that they shouldn't be doing that to the person that they're abusing yeah but you would rather I had sympathy for the abuser and give them time because they're making mistakes and have absolutely no care about what is happening to the person under their foot yeah and has been happening over and over and over Mm. and over whereas for that person they're being confronted possibly for the first time yeah about it but we've got to have loads of sympathy and empathy and give them space but not for the person who's like fuck off this happens all the time I I was gonna say as well I think that it's really interesting in terms of what you were saying earlier about people paying people because there's this general view that charging and I'm gonna quote because you said a thousand pounds that's not like actually that large an amount but let's say it was so minuscule for the work that she wanted yeah but there's this idea that, that charging high, high amounts is unkind when to me it's far less kind to suggest to someone you do something for free. Do you know like it yeah. they like they they spin that on you and act like you're the unkind one in the situation. Yes. When they're the one asking somebody to 
work for free for them. It's the Darvo thing again. Darvo is deny, attack, reverse victim and offender. Yes. Yeah. So that's what they do when they talk about, they say, oh, but you should be doing this for me for free. They get really defensive. Oh my God, I've got no money. How can you possibly do that to me? Mm-hmm. And then they attack you. It's so awful that you would want money for this sort of thing. And then they reverse mm-hmm. victim and offender by saying, oh, I'm the one who is just my need and look at what you've done to me. It's like, wait, all I did was say no. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And you're going to know way more about this than me. Do you think that, doing our money work like looking at the kind of soil we've grown up in around money the beliefs the way that that intersects with all these different aspects of our societal kind of conditioning not kind of conditioning actual conditioning do you think doing that work is part of justice work yeah I do think it's part of justice work and I mean I liked what you said earlier about suddenly realizing the danger that it that black-bodied people mm. will face. Yeah. Because even with all of the others, if you've got that layer of black, then you're just, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I can't, I mean, that rambunctious comment was, just, you know, is just stays in the forefront of my mind mm. because so many people think that, how dare you as a black-bodied woman say you're going to charge for your time? And if you're going to charge for your time, how dare you decide that you're going to charge X amount for your time? when I have decided that you aren't worth that. And it's something that I had to work with and work in within myself. Mm. This, oh God, I'm gonna do this thing and they're not gonna wanna pay me. Mm. So now I'm gonna have to put down my boundaries to get, so it's exhausting even just coming to the table or coming to the phone or the email to answer the question and the response, which is why I now just have a standard response and actually, the best thing that I did was invest in a VA. Oh, yes. And I just get her to answer everyone because she's detached from it. Now, this is the fee. This is what we charge. Yeah. Here are the account details. Once it's paid, we'll book you in. Yeah. Yeah. And then I might get a message somewhere, probably in a DM. Saying, I tried to book you through your, your VA and I just wanted to check. And I'm like, she does everything. Because I know what they're doing is trying to circumvent it and try to explain to me why they shouldn't pay me my fee. And it's like, no. I mean, Mm. like you said, I'm a a bloody well-known doula. I'm a known uh, reproductive justice activist. And frankly, (laughs) let's, let's be blunt here. I could be, should be charging probably 10 times what I charge. Yeah. And people need to watch out because I'm getting ready to just go, fuck you and the horse you rode in on and this is I'm just going to start charging a decent fee because actually in a world that chooses not to value black bodied Mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. it's an I mean thank you Audrey Lord and bell hooks for all the things that you say but it is an act of political fucking warfare when I stand up and say no this is my fee rumbunctious or not yeah you know yeah and it's because as an american black american doula i know always says i like the lights on inside my house mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know so i'm gonna pay my bills and yeah. i did find so after i was training doulas etc met Maisie who continued Maisie hill continually intersects with my life 
Mm. said you should be you're a coach you know and I'm like don't be ridiculous Maisie I'm not a coach not a coach (laughs) (laughs) not a coach because you're a coach coach." but I'd started mentoring and things and Mm. hadn't realized that I was coaching people all the way through my jewelry journey yeah and why was I there and so oh yes so when I became a coach and I do coach white-bodied women as well but when I became a coach, I suddenly thought, well, how can I charge black women? And then I went, oh, mm-hmm. I've fallen into the trap of misogynoir. That, oh, I'm so, oh, I've got like full body chills. I'm so glad you said all of that. All of that stuff there. Because what are you saying, right? About what's available to those women. If you yes. don't charge, if you charge them lower amounts than white women. And it happens everywhere. So mm. people say, I'm going to do, sorry, I've really got to do my, stop doing my fake Karen accent. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really not going to actually. And she goes, I'm going to, I'm going to do something for, to make myself look inclusive, to help yeah. my business. And I'm going to offer Skyrim the bursaries. Yeah. The black and brown bodied people. Oh, wait, I'm being inclusive. And LGBTQ, and I'm like, fuck you and the horse you rode in on but also when people do that so I have a real real issue with that because a it makes out that the only issue anyone joining your work who's not white is is monetary yeah b let's say it works let's say the only thing you change is you make it a lower price and and somebody goes oh great is it a safe place for that black person to come into like probably not because the only thing you've done is drop a price well if you if you're doing that then it shows that you have no idea of the people that you are attracting no idea of the people that you want in your group yeah you're right and I think that all the time how fucking dare you assume that we're poor yes yes Yes. you know that socioeconomically in this white western society we are most likely to be at the lower end of the scale and now someone's going but what about the white working class miles and I'm going but sorry um, <laughs> because so black bodied people are what the aristocracy the middle class if yeah. and if so then why are you dropping your prices for them anyway yeah. I digress because I do that a lot but how dare you assume that we don't have money or we can't find the money to do yeah. I am the product of a single mother mm-hmm. And we lived in a council flat. So according to societal rules, I'm fucked, I'm useless, I'm never going to amount to anything. Mm. So these are the internalised messages Mm. that that I have. And yet this product of a single mother managed to invest a significant amount of money into her training. Yeah into her coaching training mm-hmm. and because white people do love a certificate certification when you when you yes when you see an African woman wrapping her baby with just mm-hmm. a quick piece of cloth and she wants to teach others how to do mm-hmm. it no you've got to do the certification as done by white bodied yeah. people who've appropriated what you're doing and I'm going to tell you you're doing it wrong. Yes. In a number of aspects. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and not just in that area, but everywhere. They're like, oh, so I like a certificate. But anyway, so I got the certificate. It doesn't. I enjoyed doing, I enjoyed studying for it, though. I did enjoy studying for it. But, you know, it 
informs my coaching it isn't my coaching you know and I'm learning in all sorts of places but confronting the the anti-black narratives of society of family of friends Mm. is a constant thing and of course my own internalized misogyny now for those that don't know you understand what misogyny is and misogyny is a hatred a dislike of women Mm -hmm. and okay people pick up your notepads and pens it doesn't mean calling women fucking la 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 to hate them Mm-hmm. You can be in a relationship with a woman. Mm. Yeah. You can love that woman and still be misogynistic. Yeah. Misogynoir is the intersection between race and women. Yeah. You know, so it's misogyny with a layer, a very thick layer of black. And we mm. see it in society, we see it in our relationships, we see it in the media, wherever you look, you see it. Yeah. And when I got pregnant with twins years ago, I started seeing twins everywhere. I saw twin mums mm-hmm. and twins everywhere. Didn't see them before I was pregnant with twins. Yeah. Obviously, I saw them, I just didn't see them. When you start to recognise what misogyny looks like, yeah. you start to see it everywhere. Yeah, yeah. When you begin to consider and see what misogynoir is, yeah. my hope is that you begin to see it everywhere. Yeah. And in seeing it, you don't double down and go, well, no, it's not, as I've heard so many times, it's not just black women, it's all women. I mean, imagine someone comes to you and tells you, because this has happened to me, that they're writing a book about feminism Mm. and they want you to, because they know your reputation, Mm. give a quote in the book uh, and they're talking about women being silenced. Mm. Now, if any of your listeners haven't worked out yet, I am a fantastically fabulous, stunningly gorgeous, black-bodied woman, (laughs) you know. And so I said, okay, I'll give you a quote. Mm -hmm. And my quote was, until we listen to black women, Mm -hmm. we cannot say we listen to all women. Mm -hmm. She lost her shit and said, no, that's not what this is about. This is about women. I wish you could all, if you're not watching this video of this, like you're like you're missing my face, which is constant, like, what the fuck face? It's my what the fuck face. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> and yet, every day. Yeah. Just every day. And I know, like, I'm kind of shocked and not shocked. I'm often shocked, not that it happens, because I know it happens. I'm shocked at the great, do you know what it is? It's when, it's like, it's, they're, they're leading with the thing. It's, it's like this kind of purposeful blindness, almost. Like My mum my says, I'm sure there's a, 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 a white or an English saying that's the same. She says, they're showing you them drawers. Yeah. Drawers, for those that don't know, drawers are knickers, knickers panties, <laughs> undergarments. Panties. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's that. It's the like, for me, it's the, I want to believe that this stuff is changing. I want to believe that all of us are taking it on board and I'm constantly hitting this feeling of like, are we, are we though? I did. Because of this cognitive dissonance that exists so extremely. Of course the other day, and this was on cultural competency, which people really is 
barely scraping the floor. You don't want to be culturally competent. You want to be culturally safe and humble. Is it competent as well? Sounds really right. Anyway. <laughs> and she said, yes, but at least there's hope with the young people. And I, and I said, well, I don't want to burst your bubble, but, and gave some examples of why it's not true. And guess what? Tears, defensiveness. You told me I could be open with you, Mars, and then I've said this and you've just attacked me. I know, that's why the work is fucking hard. That's why we should be, that's, that's why we should be paying pay. so much money. At least then you could be like, well, I'm, still, I'm making loads of money, I'm living really well, even though it's really, like you think about all the other jobs that are that, like a friend of mine is a stockbroker, right? Yeah. One of the reasons stockbrokers get paid what they get paid is obviously they're working in the finance world, but also they tend to burn out in their 40s and 50s because mm. of the stress of being in charge of those amounts of money. Like, yeah. And I've seen that with friends of mine, like the kind of emotional toll it takes on them mm. from that level of, like, yeah. they're white men, so. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's money, so they deserve it. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's it's not like, it, I, it's more emotionally, what's the word? strenuous stressful horrific did you know that so you know stress is the levels of cortisol in your body mm. black bodied people and we're not talking about the women and the women mm. it's a higher level their i their normal yeah levels of cortisol yeah are way beyond extremely high in white bodied people yeah so a gorgeous doctor friend of mine, they did, they were checking cortisol levels in the sympathetic system. Mm. Don't know why in her hospital, they just decided that they do it. I think they were just looking at the stress levels of staff, et cetera. Mm. She's very happy-go-lucky. Unlike me, she's not working in the anti-racism arena. So, mm. you know, so she doesn't have that going on. She got called that same day. You need to come into hospital now. We're really concerned your levels are off the chart. Yeah. And she's happy go lucky, really. Mm. She's not like me going, oh, fuck oh, oh. <laughs> uh, uh, racism and things, you know. She's just really calm mm. and happy go lucky. Our cortisol levels that we have been socialized into yeah. are off the charts. Yeah. And so is it any wonder that we have such weak and feeble bodies, <laughs> as the media likes to tell us? Yeah. No wonder we have a prone to diabetes, yeah. cardiac cardiac issues respiratory issues etc because all of that stress metastasizes yeah. inside the body yeah yeah absolutely and that actually leads me on to one of the questions I really wanted to ask you I wanted to ask you what do you I don't know if wish is the right word but what would you really want I hope some I worked with Kelly Deals recently a coach and she mentioned she had this thing in her questionnaire I hope she wouldn't mind me saying this but one of the questions was what would you want to whisper into the bones of your ideal client I think about that question a lot and I wondered what you would like to whisper into the bones of the black women listening about money specifically like what would you oh, love for them to know about money actually no do you know this it it, it does it does go into everything that mm. your value is set mm. it's not the amount of money that you earn or don't earn it's not the amount of work that you do or don't do it's not what people say or don't say about you. It's not what you do and don't say about yourself. It's not what you do and don't do for yourself. Your value is set and, yeah. and is simply because of your dint of being a human being. Yeah. And if you knew that there was nothing, nothing that you could do to change your worth and your value yeah. because it's set and it's not set at the bottom of a pit somewhere. 
it's just set yes. in it just is wow it's yeah. just yeah what would you change what would you do mm. how would you live how would yeah. you be so if I were to whisper into the bones of anyone but particularly mm. my black-bodied queens I would whisper mm. your value is set mm. And the most enduring relationship that you will ever have with anyone is the one that you have with yourself. Yeah. And if you recognize that your value is set, is set, oh my God, think of the relationship you'd have with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's absolutely glorious. And that brings me on to the very last thing I wanted to talk about because we've chatted loads. It's been absolutely amazing. <laughs> I feel like we've um, started. I know, I know. I looked at time. Tune in for part 17. <laughs> So one of the things that when you were doulering, as in like on the ground, let's call yeah. it, and, and working with couples and mums and parents, you were, you and Maisie together, and you speak about this, we'll link to Maisie's podcast that you're on as well, because I think that's really worth a listen to for people. You were two of the people that were charging the most in a sea of doulas often charging. When I had my baby, it was like six, seven hundred pounds was pretty. And when I was teaching him for birthing, that was a fairly standard price for a doula. And I know that I, I like you were both charging, I think, 2K plus. Yeah. First of all, the question I really wanted to ask about that was like a lot of what comes up for people when they up their prices, particularly in a um an industry that I would say has got money stuff going on so like I would say the first world massively does the charity sector the crafting there's loads of different you know industries with where you're serving yeah exactly and then industries you shouldn't get paid exactly so especially if you do it for the love if you really love what you do how did you like I know that you and you talk in the podcast so people can listen to that about the like some of the mindset-y money mindset-y type work Mm. but in terms of what people have to say, so, but how am I going to get, and I use the word get purposefully, people to pay that? Like, what was it that in a world where they could have got somebody for £700, why did they book? And I feel me, like everyone's me. going, well, wait, this is so obvious. And if it's obvious, listen. Oh, yeah. But, but why did they book Mars Lord for two pay plus? the value they get out of me. So I would put my prices up to get less clients. Yes. And I would get more clients. Yes. Because I supported people that had no money and people that had lots of money. I didn't charge a sliding scale because, I don't know, I just think if you charge a sliding scale, everybody slides. Um, (laughs) I've been told that's not true, but that's just, that's my thought. And maybe it's a thought error, but it's the one that I'm keeping. Yeah. I would decide. So I remember this guy called and he was asking my fee. I think at the time I was just at 2k mm-hmm. and he, him and his wife are struggling actors mm-hmm. and he asked me my price and as he was hanging out why are you hanging up you haven't even spoken to me yet and I went oh no no we absolutely can't afford that we can only afford 400 pounds and they'll tell me about yourselves mm-hmm. and I supported them twice because the next time I supported them they were really excited because they could afford 500 pounds and by now <laughs> I'm by now I'm at two and a half k and then I had people who I would charge them two and a half K and they'd be like, is that all? Or they would yeah. say yes so quickly. I'd be like, fuck, oh, damn shit. Okay. Could have done more. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because of the value that they get. So my 400 pound client got just as much of me mm-hmm. as my two and a half, three K. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the value. 
And so they would book me because of the value they got. I did have, I remember one woman in particular who said, there's a doula that lives even closer to me and she's 500 pounds cheaper than you. Yeah. And I said, okay. Mm. And she looked at me because I think what we are supposed to do, what a lot of people do is then we bargain it down. Yeah. And I said, okay. And she said, but we really want you. And I said, well, this is my price. Yeah. She said, so she went off and booked the other doula. Within two weeks, she emailed me and said, I know I may have missed our chance, mm. but that's not going to work. We really want you. Yeah. Can, can I book you? And I said, you can, but you're now no longer my priority client mm. because in the two weeks, someone else has come in and some of their dates cross with yours. So yeah. they'll be my pro. It worked out. I was at both births. But, mm. you know, it's about knowing what you're doing it's not about getting money from clients it's about serving people and actually it's about true service and true service isn't being walked on like a flipping mat yeah it's about true service I love all of my clients Mm. doulaing and life coaching so completely come together because life coaching is simply doulaing someone along their life journey totally and whenever I get about it I think oh no that's what it is and in fact I had to look at my money mindset my thoughts about money with the doulering and the charging when it came to my coaching and charging and it was every it was when I finally allowed myself to see that life coaching is doulering without a human baby Mm -hmm. 99.9% 99.9% of the time at the end of it because I have coached people yeah. who have who then have babies and come to me for that reason when I realized that they are the same I realized that the thoughts that I was having about money as I was increasing my prices as a doula were the thoughts I needed to have as a life coach which is this isn't about me getting from you this is what I'm giving yeah so this is the value that I'm giving this is the way that I'm giving you above and beyond what you thought you were yeah. you were going to get from yes. me yes yeah and it's life-changing stuff and in my mm. coaching I don't particularly coach on money mm. all of my clients make more money mm-hmm. by the time they've come through their first few months with me yeah yeah that's the secrets about my work like once people are behind closed doors they're like this is a lot less about money than I thought it would be <laughs> Like, yeah, because yeah, it's not really about money. Money's this object. It's about yes. all the feelings and the experiences and the yes. beliefs and the mythology and all of that stuff yeah. that gets put on it. And so if you add <clears throat> into that mix misogynoir, mm-hmm. then you know why I do the work that I do. Yeah. Not just because I want queens to, to make more money. Of course, mm-hmm. I can do. Yeah. We know that with money comes power, comes decision-making, comes influence, etc. Oh, I don't do this for money. Well, good for you, darling. You've mm-hmm. probably got a, fa- a hedge fund husband or yeah, something. Yeah. Or you quite like living on a beach and just, you know, fishing from the sea for yourself. And that's wonderful. And if that's what you do, you go to it. But I have come up from a single mum in a council house and divorced split from my husband and we had five children yes that's right a black woman who had five children from the same man goodness me how many times does that stereotype come up and I've single-handedly raised my children and you know the youngest pair have just gone off to university and so I'm feeling this sense of freedom but it was really important to me to keep my children fed and clothed and watered but I had to do all of that whilst picking them up from school 
And this is but brings us back nicely, actually, to the kindness that will cost stuff we talked about, because this is one of the points I make about this a lot. When people suggest that, you know, maybe they've got support, like financial support from family or partner, maybe they have just really, what is the word? Almost romanticized and added ethics to struggling. Like, you know, yes. that, that's, that shows oh, that means I'm doing that. it right. But yeah. I think when we do that and we price ourselves in that spec from that space, we forget about the somebody who's raising their five kids and doesn't have the space to, you know, well, I'm being kind by doing lower costs. Well, how kind is it to the person up the road? Yeah, I'm the person. Doesn't yeah. have that choice. Exactly. I am that person that you should be being kind to, as it were. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, when we serve people truly, you can't put a price on it. No. And that's why people always paid my prices, because they knew what they were getting from me. Well, I would say, I argue as well, they knew they were getting you. And that that example you gave is that person was like, they they wanted you. They wanted like all of the unique parts that Mm. you bring that like, you know, what did you say earlier that your Mars, the the fiery planet, not the Mars, not the chocolate. (laughs) God of war. God of war. God of war, God of action, the fiery planet. They're after that, not the, like, you know, what they were getting from somebody. And and it's interesting. And this is not meant, like, if you are a doula listening and, or somebody that's pricing in, in this sort of way, but notice how sometimes when you price yourself in that safe, kind, and I'm doing that in inverted commas way, you actually make yourself really like, not interesting. You don't stick out. And you burn out and you yes. give up really, yes. really quickly. Absolutely. And Absolutely. frankly, that's when I train doulas. I just say to them, they're like, oh, I'm just going to. And I'm like, no, you're fucking not. Not on my watch. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad it's like, hopefully it's shifted a bit. from <laughs> Not too much. Not too much. <laughs> Come on, everybody up your prices. Cool. Well, I have a couple of quick fire questions that I always yes. ask. Just three. So the first one is finish this sentence money is absolutely fucking wonderful <laughs> yes love that answer the next question is do you have a is there a book like fiction non-fiction business not business life whatever that you've read recently that you would recommend to anybody yes i would recommend hood feminism by nikki kendall feminism that white women forgot nice i don't think i haven't got that i was like have i got that i don't have that i've heard that's brilliant though oh i have can I, can I give you one more book? Yeah. I actually think everyone should read this. Nova reads The Good Ally. Yes, yes absolutely. Love Nova. So yeah, there's an American one and a British one. Thank you so much, Mars. Can you let people know? Oh, also, I really want you to have a money course called Rambunctious. Just wanted to drop that in. <laughs> just that. That's just, oh, I've got to write that. <laughs> that is so brilliant. Just saying. But yes, can you let people know a bit about where they can find you, what you've got going on, all of that sort of stuff? So you can, if you Google me, Mars, like the planet Lord, you'll find out loads of stuff. I'm on Instagram. My coaching is at underscore Mars Lord. My birth activism and the doula training courses that I run, particularly Rooted, which is a lifetime course, which I love. I'm at at Abuela Doula, A-B-U-E-L-A, Abuela, Spanish for grandmother doula. Mm-hmm. Um, google me you'll find my websites and things and you know drop me a dm or drop me an email mars at marslord.co.uk and you know come and join my mailing list find out what nonsense i've got on at the moment and rambunctious the money course 
it's a done deal it has to be done it has to be done it has to Um, be done I absolutely (laughs) love it and I can already see where it's going to sit within my offerings (laughs) so thank you for that Ray that's all right I thought I just was like I really need to say that thank you so much this has been such a joy I hope you've enjoyed this episode and please feel free to send either of us a DM letting us know how you felt about it all right bye bye everybody bye bye